Hello, Cyclocross friends. And thanks for tuning in to episode 257 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we are talking about Hama. We're talking about Hogerheide. We're going to overanalyze those and see what they mean, if anything, for this weekend's Cyclocross World Championships, which are taking place right here where I sit in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'm not going to mess around with a big intro here. I'm not going to do any plugs, any sponsors, other than Endura. Go check out EnduraSport.com. Put in Wide Angle 20, get 20% off. Go follow them on social media and uh, join their Strava Club. We're just going to get right into the show. We got Michael. We got Zach. It's episode 257 of Cyclocross Radio. We're talking about Hama and Hogerheide and the Cyclocross World Championships. And we're doing all that right now. We are back in the media pit and we got a lot to cover. We have to talk about Hama. We have to talk about Hogerheide. We have to overanalyze both of those races to see what they mean in the upcoming world championships in Fayetteville. But before we get to any of that, Michael, how's it going? Bill, I'm amused. And I'll tell you why I'm amused. I'm going to ask you a question, but I don't want to answer. I was watching, watching the races this weekend. I saw Tom Pidcock fall. And what do you think I said when he fell? Don't answer. What I said is, oh, Hama, don't hurt him. Zach? <laughs> I don't get it. Like, what, what's the joke here? Like, what's the, what is this a reference to? You know, like he was putting the hammer down and I didn't want him. He's putting the ham, Hama down. Don't Hama don't hurt him. Come on. Come on. MC Hama don't hurt him. No. I don't know. Well, uh, you know, you know what? I'm really glad. You know what? I, I was I was hoping that you would you would open the door for me to comment on the amazing jean jacket that Bodie is wearing to the podcast tonight. And obviously you at home cannot see that. But. I think he went all the way back to the early 90s uh, to snag that jean jacket. And folks, this thing looks glorious. And I'm really hoping, Bodie, are you going to, you know, we've all adopted. It's going to be kind of warm. We've all got like the button down shirt look that we've adopted as like the uh, media pit uniform. Are, are you going to wear that this weekend? Um, I'd love to bring this jean jacket. I mean, this is classic. Uh, it's going to be like in the 50s. So I think 50s running around taking photos is actually is Maybe just t-shirt weather. So maybe not. Maybe I'll bring it when we're chilling in Fayetteville at night and we um, don't go out. That's a fair compromise. I'm willing yeah. to accept that compromise. This has given me enough time to, to have a follow-up question for you, Michael. In, in the race that took place in the Netherlands at the venue of Hogerheide, was Tom Pitcock so legit he quit? <laughs> indeed he was yeah 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 he 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 couldn't touch that i mean <laughs> here we go <laughs> we're back all right uh um hama i guess we should start there yeah. what <laughs> what is there to talk about in the final belgian race before the world championships let's let I want to do something. I want to do something that we don't usually do, but I, I feel our listeners might appreciate it. Let's we'll start with the women's race. Let's just read some results real quickly. Um, in third place, Denise Betsema. In second, Sheeran Van Anroy. And in third, Lucinda Brand. Okay. Hang on. Just to get that out of the way. Wait, Hama? Wait. Did you say Brand finished third? Yeah. I did. Okay. What I meant was she finished first. Okay. All right. Just she was, the, know, she was I, the third person you mentioned. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, Bodie, what is your what is your what is your take on that? I, I uh, part of it, I guess, one right. We had the X two O series going. We've got this time based omnium. I think that played kind of a role in how this racing went. But what are your, what are your thoughts about uh, that? You have to have a lead in. You're reading the results. Like you, you must have something to say. 
No, oh, man. I mean, I have things to say about the men's race, but I just I just feel like we should get the results out there for the listeners to, to sort of set the context. And I mean, here's one thing I'll say about Hama was that it's set up in a storyline we've seen all year at the Denise and um, Brand show, this time guest starring Sheeran. And maybe we learned that uh, <laughs> uh, Denise has COVID, is not coming to world. No, she does not. And I think Oh, she's sick. Correct. That's right. Okay. So she didn't do so well at Hogaheider the next day. Um, so this is sort of the last race. I mean, I was wondering why there was a fall off, and it sounds like that um, being ill was part of the reason. But regards to takes, um, no, Zach, what kind of takes do you have on the women's race at home? I mean, I think really the story that we've seen from Brand the last two races, we saw it at Herentals, and then we saw it here, is she was way behind in the time-based Omnium because Betsima raced really well at Copenberg Cross, right? And that always sets the stage for whoever does well. Everyone else is kind of in a hole. Um, it just seemed like, you know, we were talking about like what happened. It seemed like when she got to the front, uh, her goal was just ride as hard as she could and try to make up as much time as she could on Betsma. And I think she ended up finishing 20-ish seconds. Was it 16 or 20 seconds ahead? You know, so she was came in down like two seconds maybe. Yeah, so she now I remember, Zach, thank you. You jogged my memory. She came in, so Betsma was up two seconds and Betsima went out hard real hard to get those those bonus 10 bonus ah, seconds okay um and then brand was chasing and i think but brand actually beat her for that bonus i should know this um and then we saw kind of betsa betsima i mean i don't know i guess she got she i don't know if that hurt her too much because she still got third but i was watching that race thinking you know there was a risk there like you have a two second gap do you go hard and try to get the bonus and think that you'll finish right with brand or do you not go as hard and try to work, try to get that gap or hold it in the end? Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And I think in the end, I think, you know, Lucinda brand <laughs> on a one race losing streak coming in. I mean, I think in that field, she's the strongest. I, one interesting thing, you know, working on uh, my preview for worlds that, I guess has maybe uh, escaped me is uh, the young riders are mostly doing the world cups. Like, I don't know if they didn't get start contracts, you know, seeing Van Anroy was kind of an anomaly, but if you look like uh, Petersa and Vosh and Van Empel, basically all they've raced this year are the world cups. So a different field. And I think that, you know, is some of the biggest challenges to brand this season that we've seen are those young riders. So I think, you know, she's kind of reigned supreme in these uh, classification uh, the two classification series because those other riders just aren't aren't starting and it's it's funny that we say that right like <laughs> these are her challengers in a way are the 19 year olds well in in this race her teammate Sharon Van Enroy came out to play and I, I think part of the strategy may have been for Brand is that she had somebody who was just giving Betsima all kinds of hard time even in the beginning of the race I mean Van Enroy came out hot and was just fighting for corners getting a little choppy getting a little you know quick into into Betsima and sort of really I think um getting her a little off her game which was uh, kind of interesting to see but I think at the same time y- you talk about the the young guns not all racing on the same day I think there's a lot there's a lot of posturing going on in that field as well with with worlds upcoming because i i think it's a that's one of the most uh interesting fields that we have that we're going to talk about later yeah i i let, let's be honest because we just want to talk about the men's race don't we <laughs> so all right so i have an analogy for this for uh i just came off watching uh, a college basketball game one of the uh really one of the worst college basketball games i've ever seen which some people might argue is uh you know a tautology uh but you know for the nba fans uh there's this this concept of the trap game right and so this is in college football especially in college basketball like your team you've got a big opponent up ahead of you you've got a lesser opponent maybe a uh, talented but underachieving team on the schedule and it's called a trap game because it's the kind of game where you just come out flat and the other team's like oh we're playing a ranked team and we're gonna beat them and this this race for the men for uh, just had like a trap game vibe to me you know like everyone's kind of looking ahead to uh to um 
to Sunday. You know, they're looking ahead to their plane trip to the U.S. Uh, and there's there's a talented but underachieving uh, guy uh, in this field that you know I think has has been disappointing this year. Has has underachieved throughout the season and maybe not given the fans what he wanted. Uh, and you know, I, I think the way it played out, I think the trap game, uh, the the talented yet underachiever, uh, came to play. Well, especially, and you're talking about Lawrence Swack, and especially since if we look at the X2O standings, Tone Arts is winning by over four minutes, and the guy that he's beating is still behind him. So I'm sure he wants to win the race, but you're exactly right. The incentive, the drive to win the race is not as great as it may be on a different week. And... I think Lawrence Sweck was racing great. I mean, also, what about the, I think the other person who got trapped was uh, Tom Pidcock, right? Sort of the the one who we've maybe anointed as the already world champion. Um, comes out, comes out kind of flat this weekend, I would say, overall. Just, just watching Tom starts, he's like super slow. And we learned, you know, that, you know, he's got the Ineos kit on. He did a huge... Huge volume of training. Uh, Jeremy was saying something like 33 hours. Big, big, big hours. Um, so we didn't see that snappiness from him in the start. And you know what? Uh, he kind of he kind of fell on his face like two times this weekend. This was just the one where he came around that corner and just slid out. And it was just... It looked like an innocuous corner. So I, I'm not one for bikes and gear. I don't know how these things work. But he's not comfortable on this bike, is he? People are saying that, and I want to know why everybody's saying that. Because I because that I, I because that, that like that turn, it seemed like yeah. when he was on his specialized bike that he had been riding since the time he was ten. He he knows the limits of the bike, and this is his first year on this Pinarello bike, and I just don't think he knows the. It's a different geometry. It's it's set up differently. I and he hasn't raced a lot. It's not like he has thirty races on that bike for this season. He has under ten, right, Zach? I mean. He's yeah. So I just don't think he knows in race conditions the limits of that bike. And if you're coming around a pretty simple muddy, you know, tacky left hand turn like that, you don't expect to see somebody just slide out like that at their level. That was you know that was I think it shocked everybody around him as well. And they're like, oh shit, sorry, dude, and and off they went. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of wondering when um, when Vanderhaar came back to or caught up with him if he was like. Dude, like, what are you doing back here? You know, I feel like in a race, <laughs> you know, if someone, if that happened to someone that was in front of me, I'd be like, "What? How are you here? Like, what happened?" Uh, yeah, I mean, he he sort of he fell, and then I mean, that was sort of that was you know, and we'll get to Sunday's race, Hogaharda, but like looking at the way he raced, he was he was dangling a bit. He got he got dropped. There was an incident that we didn't see on on camera, and he was gapped, and he spent a whole lap coming back. He pitted. Um, then he, he made that move to get in front and sort of attack. But then once he fell, it was like completely lost all the wind out of his sails. And I think, I think a lot of people have have been in that situation where you're sort of just on that limit and one little thing goes wrong and it's lights out. And I mean, that was it. He was done. He sat up, he was, he was eating a gel. Um, I made a joke like on Twitter, like I hope he, on Sunday, I hope he had enough gels on Sunday and he, and he didn't. So, I mean, a lot of talk about, you know, his body will be overcompensating for all that training he did. And, you know, how will he react in um, Fayetteville? And I'm, I'm excited to see. But I, it was great to see our man pull out that win in Hama. Yeah. It's, it's always good. You know, Lawrence Sweck is good. I'm telling you, we always talk about it. He's good for that one win, one or two wins a season, big wins. A little earlier than normal. Usually, like, uh, you know, well, I guess he got Belgian Nats, like, what was it now, two years ago? And then uh, yeah. but usually gets that one, but it's normally, it's it's in Zach's most unfavorite time of the season. No, the, he the won garbage. two. No, he, gave, he won, he won Neil. He won two races in okay. November last year. I had high hopes. Right. I I mean, this is the Lauren Sweck that I wanted to see. I wanted to see him come win a random race in November, and you're like, ah, oh, this is great, you know? He, uh, and you're he right. doesn't he have prob- the power of the Belgian tricolor anymore. You're right, though. He guaranteed he's going to win another race after Worlds. Like, just, I, you know, death taxes, Lauren Sweck winning a February race. 
Um, so I, that was my biggest takeaway. I mean, it's awesome to see. Uh, I don't know if there's any like higher meaning or anything to overinterpret, but you know, I've just been, you know, we have the gimmick, you know, is Lauren Sweck elite and it's been fun. It was fun to do the roller coaster. And I just feel like the roller coaster hasn't had the peaks this year. It's always just, it's been meh. It hasn't even been like terrible. There hasn't been the great, there hasn't been the gif of him biffing the barriers. He just finished eighth. Like he finishes eighth every race. And it's like, it's like, you know, in the wire, a 40 degree day. Like no one cares about an eighth place finish. No one cares about a 40 degree day. Uh, and I feel that's kind of what Lauren Sweck has given this, uh, this year. So I was super stoked to see him uh, deliver, uh, you know, in a trap game. You know, Ailey didn't look great either. If we're going to overinterpret, uh, I mean, he just looked belabored. Yeah, he finished third. I mean, kind of hung in there at the end, but like he, he made a key mistake towards the end on one of the ups. But he just, he did not look super, super fresh. And, you know, you could overinterpret that and be like, wow, Ailey's in trouble. Or maybe he just didn't care that much. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He's down four minutes in, in the classification. Uh, I already forgot to do the thing that I said I was going to do, but just the podium for this race was Lawrence Week, Tone Arts, and Eli- Elliot Azerbeet. Um, Tone Arts, Elliot, uh, coming on Lawrence's wheel into the sprint, but Lawrence is strong enough to take it from the front. Guys, tops or drop? Who won? Tops are better than tops. This is a trick question. <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Okay, Zach, I have a question for okay. you, Zach. Lawrence takes this form into Fayetteville, wins worlds on the climbing course. Is Lawrence Week elite? I don't. I don't know. I mean, sure, until he like just completely <laughs> botches it again at the beginning of next season. Uh, it'd be- As I said on Twitter, if if he wins this. And we still have the question, which we kind of do. This will bring the Joe Flacco analogy full circle. Fair. Okay. Joe Flacco has won a Super Bowl. Let's make um, it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, I mean, Sweat got really lucky, too. I was just like the way that Pickcock's bike felt. Like if it had been six inches closer to the tape, like <laughs> Lawrence would have just like ran over Pidcock's new bike. Um, you know, so he, he did kind of one of those. Oh. It's going to swerve around you kind of things. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Hama, uh, and we have Hoogerheide. So back in the, you know, last year we had a little bit of a hiatus. No Hoogerheide didn't happen. Uh, over ISO was our, our closer. We're back kind of the natural, you know, things are getting back to normal question mark. Uh, so worlds are going to be here next year. Uh, Bill, you've been there. Like, what are, what are, what makes, like, is Hoogerheide a good course? I mean, is it one of the top courses in, in the sport and why or why not? Well, one thing I will say that even though there wasn't a race, that did not stop the landscapers from continuing right. to work throughout the, the off time for the cyclocross. And I think if you go back to that CX's and O's video that I did last year, just the change from, all out mud pit construction course six years ago at Hogerheide to what where it was literally the 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 stairway to nowhere you know the, where it just went to the top of the hill and there was nothing there now that stairway leads to apartments you know and there's a it's a whole apartment complex down that whole that whole row and even when I was there two years ago there was still this construction site off at the bottom of that hill and that's all gone and it's buildings and grass and everything so but to answer your question i do think it's a good world's course and i think it is a a classic cyclocross course when you see it when you go there you're like it's okay it's not great there's not a lot going on here but i think it's enough you know you have that 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 off camber section that alvarado has now made a memorable feature I think that it was shorter this year. It looked I shorter. Wrong, I was like, but it how did like Alvarado they, botch it? I was like, how did yeah. she botch this last year? It has I, to I be think shorter. they took it. I think they, they entered the road sooner than they had in the past. Mm, okay. I think that, and it may be because when you looked at the photographers where they were sa- standing at the end of it, it was sort of this nice grassy area. And I'll bet that they were like, oh, we really got that where we want it now. Why don't we move, scooch you guys down a little farther? Which I hope that they extend it back out because that really, that takes away, I think, from that feature. Because you were able to bail this year 
and just go out the exit. Where if you had bailed last year, that's Alvarado, and you're stuck, and, and, and you got nothing to do. So I think that was different. I think the parts that they turned around and went the reverse way this year, I kind of like it the way it was before. It's got that cool little wooded section in there. I love the start stretch. It's super long. It's uphill. I mean, it's really, you know, you can you can come across there like we saw, <laughs> like Pitcock could have sprinted if he wanted to. You know, you may be able to catch somebody there. You really have to go. And it's a place that you don't rest. It's not a it's not a finishing straight that you rest on. It's a finishing straight that you attack on. So that's kind of rare in cyclocross, but that's always a tactic that we see. So yeah, no, I like it. I think it's a I think it's a worthy course. My favorite uh, part, and uh, you know, I sign of Wick, where we still have to go is that uh, I think it was Jan Stecker was doing his course review that he does every week. Uh, and our friends from Cyclocross 24, they chimed in and they pointed out uh, the yard, the Vander Yard sale, the Vanderhart corner, uh, and commented that perhaps it caused a bit of a bottleneck early in the race, and they did not like that. And I was like, and you did not tag Zach Schuster, uh, uh, the Schuster in this? I was a little disappointed. Like, that was my music. Like, they were playing my, yep. my tunes. But I, I love that uh, our friends from Cyclocross 24 are thinking along the same lines. I had no problem with it. I, you know, mine is where uh, there's seems like traffic was flowing. I think our guy, uh, Tyler Cloutier, pointed out that you were not standing for 30 seconds, um, you know, watching paint dry, like at the off-camber at Hulst. But uh, yeah, and that corner gave us some uh, some dramatics uh, in this race. So I think there was one, too, that I remember Katie Compton always had trouble with, and it might have been that corner as well. I remember like she had uh, trouble in it may have been that corner if it was uh you know in the in the course back in the day so i don't know i just thought that was i was amused by that <laughs> well since we're talking about the uh the vander the vander the yard sale the vander yard sale we'll start with the men uh kind of a lot lot going on here so uh, early on, I mean, unfortunate, our guy, we found out that Quentin Hermans isn't going to uh, be going to Worlds due to COVID, but him and him and Lars were off the front and kind of rocking early on. Yeah, is this, I mean, is this another case of, of like, does Ailey care? He's already won the World Cup. Does Pidcock care? I mean, who cares? Who cares about this race? That's a good question. I, I mean, I, I would think that at least, I mean, I, you, Ellie, Ellie, I can see that, Bill. I can see he's won the World Cup overall. He is, you know, he's got to win Worlds now. Wow, and Vanderpool are there. I feel like Pidcock cares, though. I feel like Pidcock doesn't have the races. He's, you know, he's born to do mountain biking, which by the transitive properties of knobby tires means that he's, you know, should also care a lot about cross. And I think he wants to win. I mean, this is, you know, I feel like it's a marquee race and that you want to win. So I feel like he cares. I feel like Pidcock cares. Sending a message? A week out? He wanted to get those overanalyzed um, headlines from Zach that Pidcock is, is going to win Worlds flat out. Um, well, so here's my thing with you know assessing Pidcock. And you know we've been guilty of anyone as viewing him as kind of at least on some level similar to, to Vanderpool and Van Aert. Uh, Lars goes vintage Lars throws it back so Bill can go into the the archive he just biffs it and you know Pickock's the one who was the first rider to get around Quentin gets caught up uh, Quentin Van Kessel drops out of the race everything's a mess I mean Pitcock was up by 20 seconds with four laps to go uh, you give Vanderpool or Van Aert 20 seconds you give him 10 seconds and you're not looking back and I think to me you know, that's one of the things about Pidcock is with this example is he was unable to hold that lead. You know, Ailey took a little over a lap. He just decided, oh, I'm just going to close this this gap down. And I feel like, you know, again, a Vanderpool, a Van Aert, they're winning that race by two minutes or a minute, a minute, because they'll let it go out to a minute and then they won't ride hard or whatever. When did it was about 15 minutes into the race, 15, 20 minutes into the race that Pidcock went out front, right? Yeah, it was early. It was exactly. way yeah. early. Yeah, so I, to myself, was saying, oh, not bad for him. Now he only really has to race for 40 minutes. You know, he doesn't have to do a full hour. Because we saw, like, in Hame, he really didn't have a – it didn't seem like he had a full hour in him. So I was like, cool, now he only has to race for 40 minutes. He should be able to do this. 
what I came away with is Tom Pitcock right now has about 25 minutes of racing in his legs. <laughs> and may, maybe without that training, and by the time he gets to gets to um, Fayetteville, it, it, that that won't be the case. But that that was that was pretty pretty telling, at least for right now. And again, I, he also may be punking all of us. He may just be like we saw it at the end. He was like sprint intervals, sprint efforts were not on the training program for today. We are not sprinting today, and he just sat up. You know, he, he fought him. He tried to get back on the stairs. He tried to get back on the off camber at the end of his race and he didn't get to the corner. And as I said, it's a nice long sprint. And he was like, not interested. Emma Crossan was the first one to say that, um, Pitcock was letting them come back. He, he wanted to race some more, get some more race practice, <laughs> which to me, I tweeted out that I thought that was crazy or I just didn't disagree with that. I actually didn't say it was crazy. But a lot of people seem to feel that like that Pidcock was so confident and so informed because the gap that he got that he was willing to let it go away and risk it to get some more, you know, close combat training. And I, I think we just saw that. I mean, I, Pidcock said. I saw the exact same thing and had an entirely different interpretation. What I saw was... I'm going to take my foot off the gas here because I can't sustain this effort. I'll let Ailey catch up because once he gets to me, he's going to take his foot off the gas too. And then maybe I can catch my breath a little bit and then we can race to the end. Whereas if I keep going this pace, he's going to still catch me and then I'm just done. Every match will be burned. So that I saw that as his tactical, tactical almost as a road race saying, I need a break here. Let me let these, this guy catch me, and then he's not going to go as hard. If he doesn't attack, I'm fine, and I can sit on his wheel for a little while and, and catch my breath. That's how I interpret. How could I, I don't see how if you've ever raced a bike, done a bike ride, done any kind of competitive bike ride, to think that he let it came back to, to race. He let it come back because he wasn't going to hold. Like it was down to six seconds. Ailey's coming. You you let up. You just you acknowledge that the gap is gone. Like you know, at a crit. At a mountain bike race, at a cross race, like you just you, you take mean, off the, you take your foot off the gas because you don't want to waste all that extra energy. I mean, I feel like we've also heard athletes say that they go extra hard because it's practice and they want to get those hard laps in. I mean, I, I think I think that's kind of a I didn't think about that. Bill sort of sitting up to sort of like because he needed a break, but I, I to me it just it just means that his training load was so huge and that like. Because, you know, once, like you said, he didn't sprint at the end. It was just like a hama. Once he fell down, once he crashed, like, it was over. There was no there was no desire to, like, gut it out a little bit extra. Um, and maybe that sort of goes against what I said earlier, that he wants to win Hogerheide. I, 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 I do believe, though, that the training block was huge and that he just didn't have that freshness. But once, once Ezerbeet saw that it was possible that he could come back, then he's thinking win because the win is huge for him. I mean, he wants to solidify that World Cup overall victory with a win. I mean, that's a much better story for him. That's a that's that's much more meaningful than Tom Pitcock's, who's like, I'm in this to win worlds, and then Ineos gets me back, and I get to go race on the road. That's really that's the that's what he's in this for. So it's 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 much more meaningful for Ezerbeat in the end than it is for Pitcock. So if we want to over-interpret things and over-analyze, my question for you, gentlemen, is, uh, you know, Tom Pickock taking on a, a big, tall order. He's going to team camp. He's like, I'm going to race cross worlds. I'm going to do this bonkers, uh, you know, spring classics. Is our guy flying a little too close to the sun? I think this might be... Quite possibly. This might be his last opportunity. Who knows? Who knows what Enios lets him do? But I think he figures he comes into this in pretty good shape. He put in the time of that training camp. Maybe not the smartest one, but he's like, look, I know my body. I know with a week of rest after that huge load, I'm going to be fine. I can I can give it one hour. It seems like it's a power course. It's got a nice climb on it. And I think he likes his chances. He passed his test, so he was able to travel, I'm assuming. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but will he be flat for the for the for these road races? I don't know. These guys are like superhuman. I have no idea. 
what do you do you think do we know is he gonna race mountain bikes this summer or has he's got the gold medal doesn't need a race like i feel like to kind of what you're saying zach that maybe maybe Ineos is like nah you can wait for another two next year two years from now when the cycle starts again you know yeah, that might be it. I, you know, I think we saw with Van Aert and Vanderpool, I think they were still pretty ambitious till about age 25. And now we're starting to see the dialing back of, of their programs and being more road focused. So I don't know. But I think that's a good point, you know, with the Olympic cycle being so far away or a decent way away, you know, he may focus. And he has a pretty ambitious calendar, too, for, <laughs> for the spring classics. So, oh, yeah. He's yeah. doing everything. So does this mean next season, if, if it turns out that he wins world zach that not only will we not see a rainbow jersey but we also won't see a gold bike uh no we'll still i mean what what's avancini doing i mean he still could do gold right <laughs> can he do- <laughs> br that is a good point uh, avancini can always do gold how many, That's true. How many That's years do you get to do the gold bike for is it just one year after you do the the olympics is there rules about this I think it's still the next Olympics. Oh, I think okay. you're you're good to go until okay. you're you are no longer yeah. the Olympic champion. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. We'll so s- Pinarello, Pinarello has four years to develop a mountain bike and paint it gold. <laughs> Do we go to the women's race? Yeah. I drew a blank. I'm looking at my note here, and all I have in big bold letters is Tanta, Tante. Hang on. What? Me, what does uh, that mean? Hama, hang on, hang on. What is this another? Is this another MC Hammer joke? <laughs> With this elite women's race, you know, I think that we've been, uh, you know, we've been talking about the young riders and you know the youth movement or whatever. Uh, you know, I'm as this as we're uh, recording this podcast, I'm kind of preparing my preview uh, for the bulletin for elite women's worlds, and we're talking about really the, the elder States women. I mean, this to me is a two woman race, uh, coming into the world championships. And it was kind of a two woman race with a little interloper, uh, again, but, uh, you know, I, Mariana Voss and Lucinda brand, I think that they are the, the talk of the, the, the women, the elite women's field going in. So it's just interesting to me. Yeah. And obviously the U23 women will be racing <laughs> against themselves, but even that younger generation, the Alvarado's the worst, we're not really talking uh, about them. I mean, I think that Brandon, Brandon Voss is uh, kind of what we got too. Uh, v- vintage and a vintage Voss performance, right? You know, you, you talk about uh, her ability to win races in the last lap, like, you know, Bill, you love this. You could just like study. You could be like a student of Mariana Voss winning bike races in the last lap uh, of a cyclocross race. And she did again. It was perfect. Mariana Voss has entered nine cyclocross races this year and has won five of them. Eight. That's pretty good. Yeah. She's less races than Pitcock. Yeah. She won the opening and closing rounds of the World Cup as well. Um, I mean, so let's talk about, you know, the way she won that race. Um, My sort of takeaway is what in the world is any other rider doing pulling Voss around? We've seen this in other races, too. It it seems like she gets a free pass because uh, uh, Zach, as you said before, Braun just goes out hard and just going to ride from the front. And because she thinks she can. And then you have Puck, who is also another rider who likes to do that a lot. Go out hard. Go hard early. And they're giving Brent, uh, Voss all this time to sit in. And then when they're tired, she attacks the perfect time and gets away. I don't know. Just It seems like you don't do that. Like, maybe I'm missing something. So what do you do then? I mean... I think you, I mean, I think you say, okay, you work, you flicker through. What, what happens? So you're in a group of three with Voss off the front and Femme is dangling. Great. You flick, you all sit up, Femme comes back. You can beat Femme. You've beaten Femme. Like I'm thinking of from, from Brand's perspective, like these are all riders that Brand has beaten. I don't think she get, loses anything by letting them, letting them like sitting up and slowing down. I, I, I guess I must you're talking about Femme. make her. Yeah, like Fam coming back. Yeah. yeah, I think that Brand can sit in and watch and doesn't have to be the one driving that group the entire time. 
I think it's hard for someone like Puck Pierce or Femme Van Empel at their stage in their career to be thinking that tactical. They don't have like the hundreds of race victories under their belt to sort of look back on. So I think it's just like young and pedal to the metal for them. But also, like, how have we, I guess, then coming down to the end, you know, from Brand's perspective, how, I mean, how often does she beat another rider in the last lap? Her strategy in the last lap is to just be ahead the whole time, <laughs> it, it seems like, you know, and she was caught uh, off in the, the wrong position. She was third wheel um, when, you know, they were actually yeah, letting Petersa lead. It's like almost like Voss is like, I'm going to use you. Uh, clearly she had identified a feature. It was that like steep uphill. She clearly had a spot that she wanted to make the move, you know, so maybe brand misplayed it and by not playing, you know, cause we talked about her being good in the last lap, but I, you know, I think Voss is like infinitely better than her. Voss is just her snap and her ability to just go yeah. hard for like four minutes at the perfect place, I think is much better, better than brands. But you, you watch uh, Voss on the road too. And it's like, she's not winning with pure power. She's just, it's the exact same thing. She like just is so brilliant at picking the spots to go. I mean, I can think of a couple road races where it's like the final turn and even before the sprint. And she's like, this is the spot. And then just goes and gets like a five second gap. And they're like, wait, wait, no, no, the finish hasn't started yet. And she's like, too bad. I'm already winning. You know, it, so I think that's the same thing that she, she just has that innate ability. Just, just so, right. so tactically perfect to go along with everything else that she has that's exceptional that it's a it's tough it's it's tough to do anything about and i don't think i think as good as lucinda brand is i i I think you're right in that she doesn't have that same kind of i'm just going to attack and crush people here that's not her game so she can't and then once somebody does that to her it's i think you're right zach it's tough for her to be the one that has to come back uh so two points one uh, Voss, you know, she's won five of nine, comes out to 56%. Brand has won 17 of 27 races that she's done this season for 63%. So as impressive uh, as Voss's performance is, Brand has been more profi- uh, but uh, more impressive, but, but... But just by a little bit. Just by a little, sure. You know, she's had a bigger volume yeah. too. But I, I think it just shows like how good those two women are. Um, but so now if we're looking, if we're, we're interpreting this, so like let's go back and keeping in mind like this is all stuff that I've done for my preview. So like I did not specifically do this research for the podcast. Like let's go back like to World Cup Waterloo. Uh, Brand versus Voss, right? Like, and Betsima was there too. Voss beats Brand in the bell lap uh, with just a baller move, right? She makes the move on, I think, Trek Factory Hill, right? If I'm not mistaken. I was reading my race report. I was like, holy shit, this was a good race. Um, so that's one for Voss, zero for Brand. Fayetteville, they go into the bell lap together. It was really sloppy. It was a mess. Voss actually makes a mistake at the beginning of the descent. Brand rides away. So that's, you know, head to head. One to one. Then we go to World Cup Rukvin. Uh, Voss beats Brand in the sprint, even though Voss like botches the remount. So that's another one for Voss. Then we have this race. Voss won again. You know, basically going into the last lap. I to me, there's a trend happening here. And looking looking at the weather, I don't think we're going to get a slog in Fayetteville. And if it's a tactical race, I might be tipping my hand a little bit as who I think is going to win uh, the elite women's race. But I, if, if it's a tactical race, like, like that course could be like, how does Voss not win that race? Like just in what, in what, what's the, what's right. the scenario where she doesn't win this race? She falls on the spiral rock. And okay. Boom. All right. Well, that's, and, that uh, is a great scenario. Right. That is one scenario. <laughs> so are, no, I'm agreeing with are, you that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm agreeing. Are we moving to worlds? Oh, I didn't mean to. I but I think like in no, terms of I, just interpreting stuff. But I think it's just. Are we done with? Are we done with Hogerheide? Well, I I just want to say. I mean, so actually, yeah, this my my point is about world. So uh, are we done with the Hogerheide? Let's go to worlds, Zach. <laughs> Let's do worlds. Well, I, I think it might lead into this because we just spent the last five minutes talking about brand versus Voss. So. The, the the thing that I'm seeing on the social media a lot now, and uh, it may have even come up in our text messages, is like, does this race get an asterisk? Because all of these people aren't coming to this race. And I ask you, the two people that were talking about winning 
I think in both the male, the men's and women's elite races are coming. I mean, it's like Denise Betsima is not coming to the race. Denise Betsima won Zonhoven in October and hasn't won a race since. Denise Betsima's not, I mean, she was not going to win this race. Like she was exactly. not going to win Worlds. Uh, and neither was Anne-Marie Worst. I don't, I don't think Anne-Marie Worst right. was going to win Worlds either. So on the other side, was Matthew Vanderpool ever coming? Well, maybe if he was healthy, but it has nothing to do with, you know, anything. He's not racing. He's done. He might so, not race this season. He might never race cyclocross right. again. I mean, for all we know. Wout Van Aert said at the beginning of the season he had a plan. It did not include Worlds. These are decisions. That, so this whole thing now that, oh, people aren't coming because they're testing positive or this or that, and therefore this race gets an asterisk on it, just drives me insane. Because last year, it was very hard for Americans and Canadians to go to the race. And, and anybody, I think there were, I think even the Italians didn't show up because they couldn't get in to the country. But nobody was saying, no European was saying asterisk on this race when it was at the beach. So it, it really, I think it's more of this, like from the European side, just like it's America. They don't know what they're doing. They didn't know what they're doing in 2013. They still don't know what they're doing. This isn't a real world championship. And then I think our own stateside fans fall into that same thing and have this like inferiority complex and going, Oh, this isn't a real world. It's Arkansas and it's Walmart. And it's, and I'm like, it's bullshit. It's like everybody's going that you want to go who can go. You know, the, the two guys on the men's side weren't going. And weeks ago, even before people were testing positive, we were like, Ailey Ezerbeet, Tom Pitcock, maybe Tonart. All three of those guys are still there. Yeah, this isn't October. Like like you said, this isn't October and November. Like, worst had a good race, and we were like, ah, that was in November. That's some... Uh, has shown an, an innate ability to finish second and third. She hasn't won a race in forever. And Quentin Hermans just hasn't been good in like a really long, like he was great in October, you know? Yeah. I mean, the only asterisk that you could make is you could say, oh, because wow was just, mur you know, murdering the field and he's not racing therefore for the men. But like, that's, you can't like, you can't control that. He made that decision. He also kind of made that decision before he, I don't think Rottwatt was ever racing worlds. Like, I don't think that was ever part of the plan. I think we got to also, like, come to grips with, like, like, Wout and Vanderpool are, could be done with Cross completely. Like, so, like, we just, like, that's how it's going to be. Vanderpool finished one race this year. Um, like, so, right, there is no asterisk, right? Because it's just, it is like, we're going to move the scene, the, the, the cross moves on, marches on without some of these stars still. And that's just kind of what it is. It's a shame. Yeah, you want to see your, your favorite writers. You want to see Worst. You love Worst. She's your favorite writer. You want to see her. But the racing's still going to be good. And I'm getting more excited. The Czech, thanks to Bill's pep talk. The Czech Republic set up the Tabor World Championships for... Sedanik Stibar to win. And then he didn't race. And they didn't say, well, it's, a, it's an asterisk next to it because we did this all for him to win the world championship in his home country, and then he ended up not racing. I mean, these things just happen. So I guess my, my, my closing point in all of this is cyclocross friends, I give you permission as a conduit from the cyclocross spirit, from the spirit of cyclocross to be excited about this race and to enjoy watching this race and to have fun having this race. That is all. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I mean, we can talk about I me. Mean, we can, we don't know what it's going to be like. I mean, I know we've had a number of Bolton subscribers who have canceled their trips. I think Omicron sucks. Like, yes. you know, I think that that's killed some of the vibe is just that we were this was going to be our big party. Like we were supposed to be done with with covid. You know, um, a lot of people have made decisions that have inhibited that Omicron came along. And I think, you know, a lot of people were just it was at the worst possible time. So and we can get to that. And I'm sure there's going to be criticism about how there weren't people there, even though they don't allow people in the venue at Belgian races now. And we can get past that. So, like, let's let's talk about 
let's talk about the races. So we're talking about, talking about the elite women. Um, we already started. I mean, to me, it's it's a two woman race. I, I personally think one of those two women what, is going to win this race. What do you what do you think about? Let me propose this: If Voss wins worlds after doing less than ten races, I mean, are we going to get you know like hey tourist? What are you doing? Coming in only racing ten times while Brand has done thirty That's what races. She's always dead. I think she gets a pass though, doesn't she? I mean, as I got yelled at for saying that um, uh, Kant would be in our hypothetical Hall of Fame before, or proposed that Ooh. if she would get in. Oh, you got flack for that. Wow. Voss. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because, you know, she's won since she's been a junior and has always been racing cyclocross for years and years and years, you know, and, and I know you were talking about, uh, Felita de Jong. Did she win like more world cups than Voss? Is that what the, or more than, no, she won more than, uh, per, uh PFP. PFP. Right, right. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense for her to win more than Voss, but, um. I, I don't think that, I, I don't think that anybody is going to argue that. Yeah. No, I, I just and Zach, you're correct. I just quick scroll through the Voss um results. But she is far yeah. she is far from a yeah, but she's the same in the in the same way would you criticize Wout or Vanderpool for winning it? Because it's kind of the same schedule. Right, right. No, I mean no, probably not. No, I don't think I would. I would fault uh, Voss. I did sort of have a little bit of that, though. Um, I could understand maybe where Sana was coming from back then, yes. thinking about, wow, not racing the Ethias Cross in September, you know, and then parachuting in December and getting some of the best stuff and crushing everybody. Um, I can understand that frustration, but as as Voss has done and demonstrated her bona fides many years before i think wow has also demonstrated his bona fides um so yeah it was it was a I pro- it was a solution i proposed a uh, situation i proposed that i just wanted to throw it out there yeah so, i think one of the other other off. differences is that when all of the not full-time cyclocross racers were coming in and competing against sonic they were still really close races. She, they were just giving her a really hard time and run for her money and, and beating her. But it was, it was, they were still competitive races. Wout parachuted in and just <laughs> m- made a mockery of the sport. And I think that's, that's kind of the difference. <laughs> oh man, that's true. He really did. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I mean, I give her credit now about bill. Now I'm sad. He's not coming. <laughs> I mean, I give Voss credit. She did the, the, the races earlier in the season. You know, I mean, this is typical. So she's she, during peak Voss, she would average about like, 14 to 18 races per season and this year she's going to end up at 10 you know which is consistent with her ever since the injury you know in the last five years like she's not a spring chicken anymore i mean she's she's getting up there so i you know i think it's consistent with what she's done she did a calendar you know um she is going for number eight number eight would be the all-time record so i mean i think that's you know, a pretty neat little, little sub story here. You know, I love records and stuff and for her to like truly, truly be the greatest of all time, um, to, to get number eight. So, uh, all right. Well, and the U S has a, a history of career milestones for, for, for hall of fame riders, you know, Sven's final world's championship and, Maybe it'll be the same for uh, Mariana Voss. All right, so let's do this. Voss wins this race. How does she win this race? Last lap attack, dropping Brand. Right, exactly. Brand wins this race. How does Brand, like, how do you see this playing out in a, a scenario where Brand wins this race? Go from the front, get that gap, and just gone and just grind it out yeah no that's a good point and i think you know uh that's a good point uh that we'll get to for the u23 women is a lot of times who's setting that pace you know in previous years it was last year was batsima it's typically like van empel or puck petersa who's who's setting that fast pace so that's one thing that we have to remember is that we're taking out you know that group blanca vash will be racing but we're taking out some of the riders who do who go out 
hard early on, and so it might change the tactics yeah. and open the door for a brand to just to do her thing where she goes out hard. But here's the other thing that we have to keep in mind, and I don't know if this works on the women's side, but we've already seen lobbying on the men's side from the Belgian Federation, from Ailey Ezerbeet saying, hey guys, we screwed this up at the European Championships. This is for country. We need country to win this championship. Therefore, you all need to line up behind me and I will win this for Belgium. It's a little different scenario on the Dutch side, right? I mean, it, like Ailey's like, Pitcock's going well. Uh, Lars is going well. We got to make sure that we don't screw this up. We don't quick step this and, and let these guys beat us. So does, does, does somebody, and who is it? Does somebody like Vosh or Hansinger? Those seem to be the two threats at this point, right? The only ones outside of the Dutch Federation. Is there, is it like we're all in for Lucinda? We're all in for Mariana? Or does it come to a point where, eh, we got six Dutch uh, Dutchies out here front. It's everyone for themselves. I mean, there's no way. But is there is there a is there a team captain? That is my question. Absolutely not. There can't. There's got to be no way. I mean, it's got to be. I don't know. What was the, wasn't it with like Lamond and the the badge slaying the badger where they were just like, man, screw it. You guys both just go kill each other, and we don't really care who wins for the team or yeah. whatever. Is well, I think that was on one side. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That was that, that's not okay. Quite how that okay. Went. Sorry. <laughs> I, yeah. No, that was. Uh, uh, you were being so you were I being think... very sympathetic towards the badger in that whole scenario. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, look. I, I go back to Bill, your great interview with Stephen Hyde. I mean, maybe it's something that some of the situations where it's like Brand and Voss are like, yes, we work together to get away, to get the gap. And then once we have the gap, uh, we, we, we attack each other and we race. I, mean, I, I see something like that playing out. Um, and we know that Hansinger, you know, will be, if all things go right for Hansinger, she'll be behind them, but closing that gap. Um, towards the last half of the race. So I want to put a uh, Magalie Rochette in there as well. I think that on this course mm, yeah. and just her, you know, she left Europe a couple weeks ago, so hasn't been in these races, but before she did, she was up there with them. This seems like a course that could suit her as well. So I think that's another, another player in there that, that forces the Dutch possibly to have to actually unify for a little bit before that may happen. If they can, in fact, drop them. And Mags, Mags will go hard at the front. So we know that she will be that one in the beginning who will sort of be drawing the Dutch out. I mean, I think history could would we have show a that... North, could we have a North American pact, Zach? Uh, I was going to say, I mean, I think if we're looking at history, I mean, if we're predicting uh, a dry, fast race, I would think that, honestly, Rochette's chances of kind of pulling off the shocker and getting on the podium are better than Clara's. I mean, I don't, you know, Clara benefited it from being really thick. I mean, she was well back and didn't come on strong till the end of the race uh, back at the World Cup. So, yeah, I, I could see, you know, Rochette, some of that uh, home, you know, the North American cooking, certainly a podium spot, like, is there for the taking. I mean, I... I, I in our group text I kind of jokingly said that third place might have the asterisk because I think that like two of your top contenders for third aren't going to be there. Um, you know, we still have Blanca Vosh, and you know, you defeat her. I, I think it's there for the taking. I think this is like a golden opportunity, um, and it would just be perfect for Rochette the way that she raced. She had those really good couple of weeks, and I think as she is finally starting to crack the European code to to get a good result, and she's a good climber, and I could certainly see it happen. Zach, who's winning? Michael? Vosh. I'm going brand. All right. Should we move on to the men? Let's do it. So before this weekend, <laughs> where were you all? Where were you with how this was going to play out? I'll tell you where I was. I'm with, I was at... Tom Pitcock is winning the world championships. That's where I was two weeks ago. Where were you all? You know what? You know what, Bill? Similar. Same boat. Last year, uh, I'm not going to make the same mistake. Last year, I was in on brand all year. leading you into this. One freaking race. <laughs> I was like, oh, Alvarado's going to win. And then I looked like a moron last year. I am, Bill. You know what? I learned. I'm staying the course. I was in on Pitcock. Screw it. I'm still sticking with Pitcock. 
I, th- I mean, I think it's Pitcock too. Uh, I, I, like I said, I think he's he's gonna he's gonna recover, um, and he's gonna be snappy enough, and he's gonna like have a a gold medal in mountain biking and the world championship in cyclocross, and um, yeah, he's gonna try and hit for the cycle. Do you know what Tom Pitcock does? Tom Pitcock wins <laughs> championships, and. This will be another one that he's going to win. So we're not. So we're not buying Ailey. I mean, Ailey is like that was his. I you know uh, uh, he his two wins. I guess like I was trying to think like he equaled when he won at Flamenville. He equaled his previous uh, total of January wins uh, as, in his two years as an elite. He then topped that by winning again at Hugerheide. So now he's, he doubled the number of January wins from the previous two and a half Januaries. We're not, we're not buying, we're not buying Ailey Ezerbeet. Pitcock's coach told him that his heart rate couldn't get above 165 the whole race. That's my, that's, that's what I'm, that is the rumor. I'm, that's a rumor that I am, I am, I'm putting out there for that weekend that every time he went above 165, he just had to take, he had to just slow it down no matter what. Okay. And now, now the governor's off. Okay. So we don't have Quentin Ehrmans. Is, is Tone Arts going to pull off the quadruple? No, it's not a hat trick. The quadruple Braun? Like, he's finished third three years in a row. <laughs> I don't know what that would be. The quadruple triple? <laughs> um, I doesn't really necessarily seem like a good course for him. I, I could see our guy. I could see our guy Lars. Sneak it back on the podium, just bring, put a bow on it, you know, to, to kind of put a bow on the, the season of Lars Vanderhaar being back. I, I could definitely see that happening. Here's my dark horse. Based on, I think I made a mention it a couple of weeks ago, based on his Namor climbing ability and the climb here, plus the potential for it to be heavy. And plus him having a, a little bit of a lull about the last month. He's coming back to the top. Dark horse, Michael Van Torno. Okay. Yeah. Love to see. Love to see Mikey V uh, getting up there. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of a... Didn't he get caught in some wires, some, yeah. some netting? He's got, he's got, he's got some... He, he has some reckoning with that, uh, with that right. course. I love it. Some unfinished business with the, uh, with the geotextiles. Yep. Yep. Love it. So we don't have we don't have Quentin and other than the guys we knew were not coming. That's pretty much it. Uh taking Quentin's spot for Belgium would be Tone Vandebosch, which as I said on Twitter, sets up Belgium to be the two tone army. <laughs> and uh I don't know. I feel like we would have had more on this, but I don't know if there's more to talk about. It seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I would love, I just to, to, to finish up, I would love a Pitcock Ezer beat battle. I think it would throw it back to the, the glory days of their U23 days. Uh, those two do not like each other. It still seems like they don't like each other. Um, so I, I would totally go for another battle but between those two young gentlemen. All right. Uh, yeah. How about men's men's U23? It's sort of a tough one. I've had some new players up there. Yeah. Mies Hendricks. Emil, Emil yeah. Verstringe. Yeah. And Mies Hendricks. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and Nice coming back. I, don't, I mean, Cameron Mason. I don't know. This is, yeah, this is, could be a pretty good Do you know race. who the top ranked U23 male U23 is? Is it some guy that like I haven't heard of? Imran? No, no. Pim Ron? Uh, Niels Vanderpool. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah. like 14th. Yeah, and then... Pim, Pim second. Yeah, they're right there. They're all right there together. Ryan Camp's right behind him. Mies Hendricks not too far behind him. Emil Verstrange, uh, Mason. Mason at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Sixth is pretty darn good because he didn't race that much, did he? Because he got injured for a good chunk of the right. season. Right? 10, 11. I guess he did come back. Mm, he, raced, he raced a bit. He had a pretty good season. Yeah. Pretty full. Yeah. Had that world. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I know I, know I was told that it's not a good, a good comp, but he did win at Dendermonda. <laughs> Everyone's favorite race. Yep. Uh, 
So who's taking it? You 23 men. I mean, I'm sticking with the horse that I've been riding all year. I'm sticking with my guy, Pim. I'm going for Mies. No, no, no. Sorry. I'm going for Emil. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, that's a good pick. Man, so you picked Pim? It's a nice choice. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll go Powers on this. I'm going to go Cam Mason. Pulls it out. Gets to win. World champ. U23 men. Some Trinity, Trinity flair at the World Championships. All right, let's, this is the race we want to talk about. Can I, can I start us off? I've got, a, I've got a quiz. A quiz for you guys. So, uh, Sharon Van Anroy, Puck Petersa, Femme Van Ample, they've done 17 races uh, concurrently this year where there's been all three what do you think the split is in number of wins for each respective rider so this is like overall wins uh, uh, sorry uh, if we just so with beating... respect to one another so if we're going bronze okay. gold like bronze who's going who's... gold silver bronze amongst the three of them From the way you're saying this, I'm gonna. Th- I'm thinking that it's pretty even, but I'm gonna put Fem on the top step, Puck second, Sheeran third. Michael, is that the right way to? Um, I'm. I'm gonna walk with Fem, Sheeran, and then Puck. Boys, 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 boys. <laughs> Eleven. Puck Peterson. Three, Femme Van Empel. Three, Sheeran Van Anroy. So here's the thing. Like, and I, I here's, here's the thing. Uh, Puck Petersa, I think that our friends at uh, Clam Bitch and Memes, they nailed uh, Puck Petersa. <laughs> Start time, go time, blow up time. And so it, it's a different thing. And it's, uh, and I, I guess I identify with this because I can go hard with people who are better than me, but I suck at racing. Uh, and so she's lost, right? She didn't win U23 Euros. She didn't win Dutch Nationals, uh, but she's really good at going hard and getting out way ahead of these, these other competitors. And I just kind of wonder, to me, this is like the perfect example of this. Like she's, she's won... 11 to 17 as I can't do the math off that it's almost that's almost like 70% uh, of the the battles between these riders but because Fem Van Ampel won two world cups and you know Sharon Van Anroy um I I guess she won well she won you 23 euros and then yeah the, the race at Jingle Cross that we think that way so yeah I I mean I would love to see uh the ginger win but I she just hasn't shown that she can't win these these head to head battles yet well it's also recency bias you know in france with her just getting completely outplayed by femme yeah yeah we saw we saw perhaps perhaps a preview where they went head to head and she got totally punked anybody else in there that even any dark horses i mean i could see one of these riders making a mistake and kind of like falling out but i mean if you're betting if i'm a betting man this is some combination of this is my podium for this race so these are the three top riders they're all here again no asterisks let's leave the asterisks at home who's winning michael i mean i think i want i want to i want pick puck i want puck to land one i do i really do but i just i think femme femme has it she's gonna rock the climb and that's just gonna be it for her i'm going sheeran van anroy i'm going i'm going with the i'm going with the third the third choice it's gonna be a it's gonna it's a power course she's just gonna outwork them i mean i appreciate that you guys left it left the ginger on the table uh, for me to take. I, I think my my head says either Van Empel or Sheeran Van Anroy, but my heart is with, with the ginge, uh, Puck Peterson. All right. All right. Do we want to talk about juniors or should we just call it a day 
and uh, start getting ready for. Uh, I got I got some packing to do. I have no takes on. The, I was just going to take like the good Belgian and then the good Dutchie. I mean, I that's just what I was going to do <laughs> for the juniors. So <laughs> probably no reason to to yeah. do that. Okay. Well, I, I will be seeing you all in a, in a couple days here, maybe even sooner than that. Once I get this thing edited, I'll try to edit it on the plane and uh, get it out there. But uh, look, I know it's it's not perfect, and it's there's a pandemic, and it sucks, and it sucks traveling. I don't want to travel, but this is something that we've planned for. I think that the way we've set it up in our own accommodations, and it, it is as safe as I am being at home. I'm not going to go out partying. I don't think any of us are. And, you know, we're all testing before we go to our house and then we're going to go to the races and we're going to be outside and we're going to be working, uh, as, as media. And I think we're going to be masked the whole time. So it's, it's like, I'm, it's the exact same thing that I did safely and effectively in Europe under similar conditions. So, I'm not going to, I just, I'm putting, I'm putting the world aside and going to enjoy these races for that time. And I just, I just want others to give themselves permission to do the same. And then we can go back to worrying about the world, which will still be in decline when we get past this weekend. I think that sounds like a great plan. I'm excited I'm excited to uh, to get down there. I'm excited to, yeah, just the cyclocross fam that is going to be able to make it. I think it'll be super fun. And, uh, you know, there's people that are stoked about being there. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've gotten the, the stoke meter has gotten higher. I'm like, I'm in that puck green zone right now in the stoke meter for the worlds. I just want to say that, like, you know, in Louisville, I... I kind of like got into road cycling and cross in the late 2012. So I didn't, I was like, Oh, worlds is here. That seems like a big thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm just not that invested in this, this whole scene, this community yet that I was like, I couldn't swing the trip. It didn't make sense. And, and, you know, I've seen so many good things and just memories come out of that. And I hear about this phone party. So I just, I'm excited that I finally get to take part in the the world's environment and it's going to be in the States and it's going to be in Arkansas, which is a beautiful place to go. So yeah, I can't wait to see you guys in a couple of days. All right. We'll talk about it all on the next episode. We'll see you then. Hang in there, kid. Tanta Voss. There's an elegance to bike racing. For all its technology and engineering, it's a simple question of physics. How do you move a body through space as quickly and efficiently as possible? When the rider and the machine work as one, it's almost as if the solid world has melted away and all that remains is the spirit, the pure, raw, and unfiltered soul of sport. Life is measured in many units, miles, kilometers, kilos, and pounds. But we measure it one corner at a time. We've entered the golden age of crit racing, the most exciting spectator event in sport, where all of human drama plays out before us on our city streets. On this show, we bring you the news of the day and take you inside the personalities of the teams and riders and right up to the gates of the premier events in the world. Welcome to Criterium Nation. Criterium Nation.